This is the Russian dynamite Masha Slamovich. Becca here. This is not America's sweetheart Davian. It's Billy Starks and the super fly guy Trayvon Jordan. This is the fly side flyer Jalen Brandon. Hardcore princess Jules Malone. Hi there, this is the bubblegum princess Alexia Nicole. This is the Brazilian Wonder Woman Christy Jane. This is the baddest black belt Chennai Kai. This is Kid Bandit. The smash hit Joel Bateman. This is Robin Renegade. Cody Hawk. Brutal Bob Evans. And you are listening to Wrestling With Entertainment, one of my favorite podcasts in the whole wide world. This is the headline Sean Martins, and you're listening to Wrestling With Entertainment. Hello, 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 and welcome to the show. It's Wrestling With Entertainment, the only audio experience on the web today. The trusted choice for interviewing all your favorite wrestlers every Tuesday and Wednesday on YouTube Castbox. Sponsored by Rogue Energy and Player One Coffee. I am, of course, your host, James J. And it is a great day for wrestling, because we are wrestling with... The Headline, Sean Martins! <laughs> hey, James, it's your pleasure to have me here. It definitely is. <laughs> and where is the headline tomorrow today going to be in the future <laughs> all right yeah we'll get right into the plugs i will be wrestling on canadian wrestling's elite cross country tour from november 17th to the 25th starting right in winnipeg manitoba and ending in estevan saskatchewan uh check out canadian wrestling's elite on facebook for dates and times you can find me on social media at Instagram at headline Sean Martins, on uh, Twitter or X, whatever we're calling it these days, at Sean Martins, and at there's a Facebook page as well, um, slash headline Sean Martins. And if you check my Instagram bio, you will find my uh, Pro Wrestling Tees link as well. Perfect. And you don't have to go looking for it. All of the links to all his social media and merchandise will be in the description of the video below, but on YouTube and CastBox. So follow me, Marks. Exactly. Oh. All right. Um, let's get into it. You mentioned it. You work for Canadian Wrestling Elite and Real Canadian Wrestling. Um, can you tell us about your relationship with those companies? Oh, my, my relationship with those kind of companies is uh, as strong as ever. Uh, I've been working for Canadian Wrestling's Elite now for probably making me think four or five years pretty solidly. Um, I'm on and off again with Canadian Wrestling, or real Canadian Wrestling. Um, I'm also, I pop up a little bit of everywhere. Pure Power Wrestling, Primetime Wrestling, uh, Can-Am Wrestling, uh, different promotions throughout Ontario and down through the United States as well. Um, I Try to keep a very busy schedule. I was going to say, because Real Canadian um, on this is more on the Edmonton side, and then obviously um, Real Can um, um, Canadian Elite is in Winnipeg. So I don't have like a map in front of me, but that's quite a drive, no? Absolutely. Um, I drive anywhere from 150 to 200,000 kilometers a year. Uh, yeah, I'm one of the last few that uh, travel as much as I do, and that's probably why Cage Match has me listed in the top five most active pro wrestlers in North America. Now, um, 
you know, you mentioned um, coming up, um, you have um, a really big tour coming up with Canadian Wrestling Elite. Um, and they do, uh, their tours are pretty, you know, harsh, to say the least. Um, you know, it goes for like 20 plus days. Is that something you prefer to wrestle every day for like 20 days straight? Or would you like- I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, with you, Jimmy James. Uh, if the headline had his way, I would wrestle 365 days out of the year. So 30 days is just a little treat. Okay. Well, um, you know, you could maybe say that the Canadian Wrestling Elite um, tours or maybe the Danny Duggan Deck tours. Um, you were on the most famous of Deck tours, and that was the Tony Candelo. Can you tell us? Yeah, I... oh, can you tell us about being on that tour and your relationship with Tony? Tony Candelo. Tony Candelo is a very interesting, um, wonderful little man. Uh, <laughs> Doing that tour was definitely an experience on my life, and it's something I'll never forget. Um, I'm not going to get too deep into the stories. I feel like uh, all of the best stories have been pretty well documented throughout other various media forms. But, uh, yeah, Tony Candelo, it's an amazing experience. All right. Well, uh, I believe it was on the last tour. Um... You competed against James Storm, um, obviously a big, well-respected name on in pro wrestling. Um, so, what was that experience like? Uh, working with the Cowboy is uh, everything that you think it would be. Um, he is one of the most knowledgeable and professional that you could get in there with, but he's also can be one of those most temperamental. So you've got to watch out when you're in the ring. If you give him an ounce of an opportunity, he will not hesitate to take advantage of it. So while I, I learned a lot, I thought I had the, the Cowboys number. I didn't in the end, but here we are. All right. Now, um, can you tell us about your uh, your tag team partner in the brand, uh, Sydney Steele, and your relationship with him. Uh, Sydney Steele and I go back a long ways, uh, James. Um, when I was first breaking in in the Edmonton scene, Sydney Steele was uh, around, and he was actually my first opponent in the Edmonton market. Wow. And that was probably eight or nine years ago. And uh, there, our relationship has been up and down over the years. For, from being the best of friends to being absolutely hating each other. And now we've found this common place where we're very friendly again and we're able to dominate the uh, Western Canadian tag team ranks. I would say that we're probably the best tag team that Canada has to offer today. And I, I will put that up against anybody. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like... Um, we Okay, we beat the crap out of each other... Now it's time to come together and beat the crap out of other people. <laughs> There's something here. Something like that, yep. What's a pet peeve about Sydney that you just don't understand? A pet peeve about Sydney Steele that I just don't understand? Oh man, there's a lot of things that that guy does that annoy me. 
Have you ever met those people that just can't seem to chew with their mouth closed? I, I would say that that's probably Sidney Steele. You, you can't sit next to that guy while he's eating a meal and like get a word in edgewise because all you hear is this chomp, 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 chomp sound. And it's, it's kind of disgusting. Alright, so uh, um, um, opens, eats with his mouth open. <laughs> Amongst other things, but yes, that, that's probably the worst offender. Now, uh, you were also in the ring with Rhino, ECW legend. Um, what was that experience like, wrestling with Pain Rhino? Painful. That man runs right through you with that gore. <laughs> Absolutely. It, it, it was an honor to be in a, in a ring with somebody that has succeeded and accomplished as much as uh, Rhino has. But uh, at the end of the day, it was painful. Uh, I wasn't ready. Now, you you did have a couple of matches, because I believe it was on a, um, a CWE um, a tour. Um, Correct. What do you feel like when you wrestle somebody like Rhino multiple times on a tour, like you're, you're leveling up in a way? What is what is the experience going from the first match to the last match on the tour? Well, it's like anything else. Um, with with practice comes perfection. So, while I might try something in a match on the beginning of a tour, if it doesn't work, I'm going to change my game plan moving towards the end of the tour, and hopefully I will find a game plan that will work and that will have me come out on top. Okay. Well... Your game plans have worked um, because um, you were ranked in PWI as the third overall wrestler. Um, I mean, for competitor on that one ranking, yeah. Yeah, I believe that was in two thousand and uh, two thousand twenty-one, or maybe twenty-two. Twenty-two. Twenty-twenty-one, I believe. Yeah. Twenty-twenty-one. Yeah. Um, I mean, any time you're in, your name is in PWI, that's a big deal. Um, so what did that mean to you, to be ranked number three in the Canadian market? Uh, I, I believe the words that I used were finally, the, uh, the marks at PWI recognized actual talent. I believe that's what I said, and I kind of stand by that. And you were ahead uh, on that list. You were ahead of names like Josh Alexander and Speedball Mike Bailey. Yeah, and? Huh? That's it. I'm glad you can read the list, yes. <laughs> Alright. Oh. One name that I found interesting that you competed against was Sin Bodhi. You yep. competed in Las Vegas. I believe that was an impromptu match. Uh, it wasn't impromptu. Uh, it was it was uh, part of an exhibition at the Cauliflower Alley Club. And uh, it was a tag match that we had scheduled. I tagged with another fellow out of Ohio, I believe, and with uh, the Cheetah Bear Jude Dawkins. And I took on Sin Bodhi and his partners in the Stro who was the maestro for WCW and Funny Bone, 
who is an amazing talent out of the Pacific Northwest. And again, it was another great experience. It was a lot of hard work and Cheetah Bear let us down. <laughs> I mean, competing at Cauliflower, uh, the Alley Club, I mean, that's, you know, a big deal in pro wrestling, and it's pretty well respected by everybody at this point. What did it mean to you to compete? Uh, it, it, it was definitely, it was an honor, but it was just another match. Well, that particular match with uh, Bob Evans was not e either of our best outings. There was a whole lot of moving parts. Uh, but from what I remember, um, working with Bob it was an absolute dream. And I've gone on to think of Uncle Bob myself as a friend and a mentor. So it was probably the, one of the most eye-opening experiences in my career to that point. Now, uh, we're, you're getting ready to get on to um, the Rumble to Remember Tour on uh, November uh, 17th. Um, Absolutely. Which is, uh, culminates to a 50-man battle royal, no? It does. And I will be winning that 50-man battle royal. I'll have you know. It's a little spoiler for your listeners. This is coming, I think we're dropping this on the 15th, you said. So, like, two days early, spoiler. Headline Sean Martins wins the 50-man battle royal and goes on to the anniversary show to face the champion. And this time, I promise, I will be taking home that CWE Heavyweight Championship. And that's just tomorrow's headline today. And you won, you won this, tournament, um, this battle royal trial, right? I have won the 50-man battle royal. And the, the funny story about that is that I actually entered that 50-man battle royal at position number three and went on the, the, for the hour and a half of the match went on to the 50-man battle royal. In the last two minutes of the match, I actually pulled the hamstring from the bone in my left leg. It completely tore it and was still able to get in the ring and win the match, tossing the zombie killer Mentolo over the top rope. Now, um, how, what, what was that experience like? Because obviously you were winning, but at the same time, you just got injured. Uh, it, I'm going to be honest and uh, break a little bit of character here, but it, it was a really confusing time. Um, I didn't know if this injury was going to require me to take time off or if I had just blown an opportunity because I was being given an opportunity. And, uh, yeah, it, it, was a, it was a scary and confusing time, and I probably should have taken time off, but I didn't take any time off and uh, healed it while continuing to work, which is probably the stupidest thing that anybody could do. But I love professional wrestling so much that they're just the idea of taking time away, especially after the pandemic, forced us to take those two years away. Um, I wasn't slowing down for anybody. Now, um, you know, you mentioned Mentolo. You eliminated him. 
he's currently, I believe he's still the um, CWE champion. Um, he is. You've had quite the history with Mentalo. Can you tell us about that? Um, yeah. Um, I, I said this once and I'll say it again. I get kind of sick to my stomach when I see these children and these people celebrate this man that hides behind a mask. And I, I've made it my own personal crusade to not only dethrone Mentalo as the CWE heavyweight champion, but to unmask him and show the people what a coward looks like, because the coward is what's hiding behind that mask. And, I mean, if you, if, when, when you win the Rumble to remember, um, another round in the history books, no? Absolutely. But the, the history books, when all things are said and done, and I'm six feet underground, is going to read headline Sean Martin's on line one, headline Sean Martin's on line three, six, seven, eight, all the way throughout the book, my name will be written. That is a guarantee for you, Jimmy James. Jimmy. <laughs> um, well, you were the headline of the Winkler Voice newspaper. Um, you know, it's one thing to have, you know, your name on, you know, the internet, but when it's in, you know, black and white on paper, a newspaper, I feel like that's a big deal. Um, how did it, how did you feel about that? Ripped off. I mean, let's face it, Jimmy. Print media is a dying art form. Nobody buys newspapers anymore. They knew that they had to jump onto the coattails of the headline if they wanted to push any of those papers out the doors. Single house moms were single-handedly doling out dollar bills after dollar bills to take home photos of the headline because they knew that they couldn't afford the money at the shows. So they figured for a discount, they would just buy that newspaper. And these people in the newspaper, they knew this. They knew that if they put me on their main page and they said my name and they put my picture, they would sell copies. And how much do you think I received in compensation for that? How much? Not a dime. And that makes me mad. And that makes me mad. I mean, as it should. Anyways, let's go on. I don't want to get too worked up. I don't want to get too hot here, kid. Okay. Um, can you tell us about the obstacles you faced on the hostile takeover tour? Because there were quite a few, no? Hostile takeover. That was Eric Rowan, wasn't it? Um, yes, but I mean, you had, apparently there was a car accident, a rock, a rock slide, um, snowed in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, hostile takeover tour. Um, yeah, that morning started off real bad. Uh, myself and a few of the other guys, Master Mike, Kevin Cannon, um, obviously Easy Rider, we were, and another gentleman, we were all in the car and in the ring truck actually driving out to the first show and we caught some black ice and uh lost control of the truck and trailer and we rolled multiple times flipping into the ditch and uh completely rode off the truck and the trailer was impounded we've luckily gotten it back gotten it back since but uh myself and a couple of the other gentlemen pulled ourselves from the wreckage and we got ourselves into a truck that was provided to us by a wonderful sponsor of Top Dog Coors and drove that five-ton truck 
picked up a rented ring and continued on on the tour. And we had to put all the shows back a day, but we were able to make the shows happen. Um, it, it's probably one of the scariest moments of my career, but it's also probably one of the uh, proudest moments in that, like, a major car accident where we probably shouldn't have survived wasn't enough to keep us from making the town. And uh, there's not a lot of guys left that can say that. I mean, honestly, I mean, that's incredible. Like, it's, it, it sounds, you know, really severe, and you would, you, it doesn't seem like you came out, you know, about the injury. Um, well, I'm... <laughs> Look, man, let's be completely honest about this for a second. Um, one does not get in a car accident and walk away uninjured. Fair enough. Okay, so, like, we were all feeling it. We were all feeling rattled, like, whether it's physically feeling the sh effects of whiplash and the aches and the pains. Um, but then there's also the mental trauma, right? Like, that's a that was a pretty traumatic event. And uh, I know I myself was pretty shaken up for a few days. Um, I know a couple of the other guys were as well. It's it, it takes a bit before you realize that, like, hey, like we probably shouldn't be alive right now, let alone wrestling. Yeah. But like I said earlier with the hamstring earlier, like it, you're gonna have to kill me if you're gonna keep me from making my dates. Oh, great. Uh, like I mean, like you just said, um, you know, you're gonna have to kill you to keep you from making the dates. That's not Absolutely. necessarily, you know. A mentality a lot of people, not just in wrestling, but in general, have nowadays. So where does Absolutely that work. where does that work ethic come from? Oh man, I don't even know where that work ethic comes from. I think it's just me and who I am and in my soul. Like, if I make a commitment to do something, I'm going to do it. That's just. That's it, playing. And when I was brought up in this business, I was told that, uh, you know, the old showbiz slogan, the show must go on. And that's, I live my life by that. If I say that I'm going to be somewhere, I'm going to be there. Whether I'm going to take a huge loss in my life, financially or otherwise or not, I am going to make that show that I made my commitment to. I've been wrestling for upwards of 10 years now, and I've missed one show that I was advertised on. And that's because as I was warming my vehicle up that morning, my car was stolen on my way to the show. And that's the only reason I missed that one. And it was multiple provinces away. So it just didn't physically work out that I was able to make it. I, believe me, I tried. <laughs> I tried finding other ways to get there, but it just didn't work out that particular time. All right. Now, um, you know, a lot of our... Um um, guest on the show, they will credit Owen Hart for, you know, inspiration, why they got into pro wrestling, um, you know, how they wrestle now because of Owen Hart. You sure. actually met Owen Hart. What was, I have, yep. What was that experience like? Oh, it was pretty surreal. It was a really quick and passing thing. So I met Owen Hart at a uh, Calgary wrestling tournament, like an amateur wrestling tournament when I was, uh, I think in grade nine or something like that, in just starting high school, just starting wrestling. And uh, being a professional wrestler was something that I've wanted my entire life. So when you meet somebody that's doing it, what else are you going to do but ask them how you can do it? Yeah. And uh, Owen's, 
Owen's suggestion to me was to keep wrestling and to learn judo. And uh, that's what I did. And I went on and became a uh, brown belt in uh, Kodokan Judo and uh, became a professional wrestler. And all roads lead to here. So to say that Owen was uh, an inspiration would be just a slight fabrication of a lie. In that, like, it's not necessarily a lie. Let's say it's an understatement. What? Well, I mean... um obviously a major influence because he told you do judo and now you're a brown belt. <laughs> yeah. What, how did doing judo help you in your wrestling career? And um, when... Uh, okay, well that's... Yeah. That's a really good question. So, uh, a lot of guys don't realize this, but a lot of the uh, basic professional wrestling moves all derive from judo throws. So learning judo, you learn all your break falls, all of the uh, bumps, as guys call them. You, you learn them all in the same techniques. You learn honor and discipline. You learn a lot of the same throws and maneuvers. You learn a lot of ground holds. So a lot of those skills are very directly transferable to what we do as professional wrestlers. So like, and, uh, oh, no, you go ahead. No, I cut you off. I apologize. Oh, no, I, I don't have a thought to, to continue. You just go ahead. Okay. Um, so, I mean, when you started wrestling training, essentially you had an edge going in because you kind of had a grasp of the basics, no? In, in a very layman's way of putting it, yes. Um, as far as the physicality of it, like the, the basics of falling down and not getting hurt and stuff like that. Yeah, I had a bit of an edge going into those things, but there's so much more to what happens between those ropes that uh, nothing can prepare you for. Oh, yeah. Now, uh, you mentioned your brown belt. Um, are you going for a black belt? I, I would love to one day. Unfortunately, that's a very detailed process. Um, so maybe one day, hopefully one day, uh, not anytime soon. Okay, fair enough. All right, I think it's time um, for that um, that segment again. Sean's Bizarre Adventure. You're a pro wrestler that goes up and down the roads, and weird, crazy, and bizarre things are bound to happen. Can you tell us a road story that fits that description? Oh, boy. How explicit can we get? As explicit as you want. <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go. Um, yeah, so I was... Uh, a quick road story. Hmm. You know, I'm, I'm having trouble speaking of one that won't get me or somebody else in trouble. You could keep the names... Um you could change to name the names to protect the innocent if you'd like. <laughs> well, let's come back to this. Let's do. So, let, let's let's come back to. This. Let me think of this one. Okay. Now, um, you wrestled Eugene, um, Nick Densmore. What I was, have, yeah. What was that experience like? 
it was wonderful. Um, he, he's an absolute gentleman and professional through and through. Um, it was a great learning experience, and it was a complete honor to work with him and to meet him. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you actually make your own ring gear, no? Oh boy, I haven't done that for quite some time now. Um, I do, I can. Um, unfortunately, when my uh, schedule started to, to pick up and get as busy as it is, it's one of those things that just kind of fell by the wayside. I just don't have time to make my own stuff anymore. So I actually have a very wonderful lady based out of the uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba area that makes all of my robes and ring gear for me and uh, she does an absolutely wonderful and mar marvelous job but yes i used to make all my own stuff it was a lot cheaper uh, let me tell you that it was a lot cheaper when i made my own stuff but uh my time is worth something as well and uh i i've been very happy with uh the relationship that i have with my seamstress was um you know, obviously some sewing is required. Um, was that a skill you already had, or was it that a skill that you acquired for, for wrestling? Um, it's a bit of both, really. Like, the, uh, when I was in middle school, I did take, like, a home economics program, and so I learned the basics on how to use a sewing machine. But, uh, of course, from that point until the first pair of wrestling gear that I made probably 15 years passed without using a sewing machine so it was like relearning all over again um, but yeah it was definitely a skill that I taught myself for pro wrestling no. City Steel makes all his own stuff still um, we, we both learned at the same time how to do this type of stuff and he's gotten qu quite a bit better at it than I am <laughs> but uh, he's also kept at it and uh, I just kind of like put my hands up and just started commissioning somebody to do it. Now, you know, Ring Gear, you know, says a lot about a pro wrestler. Um, so when, you know, when you're making your own gear, what kind of makes you go with the style that you go with? I'm referring to the going with trunks rather than the long pants. Um, well, Professional wrestlers, when I was growing up, um, all of my favorites, I, mean, I grew up idolizing the early 90s and the 80s guys. So that's what I always envisioned myself looking like. That's what I always envisioned myself being. So that's the style of both ring gear and in-ring work that I try to emulate as much as possible. Obviously, pro wrestling evolves, not to give a plug to any indie promotion or anything, but... Uh, so the, the styles evolve, and you have to keep up with the times, or else you'll just get passed by. But I try to like keep as much of that 1980s style as I possibly can. Uh, so simple trunks with uh, simple lettering. Um, I feel like nobody's doing it anymore, so it's actually kind of unique. Right. I mean, yeah, I don't think classic trunks are ever going to go out of style, honestly. Well, if you look at the, a lot of the guys that I see in these locker rooms, they don't put any effort into the ring gear other than going to Value Village during the Halloween clearance sale. So, definitely stand out. Yeah, yes, 100%. All right. Um, 
can we go back to the bizarre adventure? Oh, yeah, we could try, okay. I'm going to... Some of the facts of the story have been changed to protect the innocent. Okay. Um, uh, there was one night, uh, me and a couple of the boys, uh, we had had a bad night, so we went out to a pub and uh, had ourselves a few drinks, and we were able to meet this young lady who decided that she was going to latch onto our group, and she took us, when that bar closed down, she took us to this other bar where we met this drug dealer guy, and uh, he was turned out to be a huge fan of all of us and took pictures and everything, and they kept buying us drinks all night, and then uh, that party star stopped, and this drug dealer guy uh, welcomed us to his home, and uh, we all kind of thought about it, but said, okay, this might be all right. So uh, we went back to this guy's house, and we walk in, and it was like this little, tiny little house, and it was kind of like decapitated, dilapidated, and just not cool. And as you walk in the door, there was like these nine giant dogs, and they all came running. They're all very friendly and everything, but when you're completely wasted, nine big boxers, I believe they were, coming running at you is quite the scene. <laughs> and then... Uh, the, this little man comes out of the kitchen with this, like, sandwich baggie full of cookies and asks who wants a cookie. And uh, me and another gentleman both grabbed a cookie and ate it as quickly as we could, not realizing what we had done. Um, as we finished this cookie, just scarfing the thing down, we uh, slowly looked up at each other and went, uh-oh, what did we do? And we turned to look at this guy, like, what was in this cookie? And he goes, why? And we're like, well, we just finished it. He's like, we weren't supposed to eat the whole thing. And we're like, oh, no. So we ended up going back to the place where we were staying, and uh, our world was ending. Let's just put it that way. And uh, we almost didn't make it in time to get meet the ring truck in order to make the next town, which was a nine-hour drive. And, uh, yeah, just crazy times. Like, a lot of guys these days will... Uh, not go out and have the drinks and they'll go home and they'll play video games and just hang out at the hotel and maybe on this particular area that's what we should have done but we didn't so <laughs> now we've got this awesome story to tell and there, there's a lot more to the story but uh we're just gonna leave it at that for oh, for this podcast you can't you can't uh, leave us that way you can't tease that there's more <laughs> if you want to hear the full story come to a show ask me in person all right, so you're saying I have to take a flight to Canada. <laughs> you might, yep. Clearly, I need to take a trip up there because there's a few people I need to get stories out of. <laughs> there you go. There, yeah, there, there's lots of stories. Well, hopefully you could tell us about... Uh, maybe you have a story about this guy. Um, you worked with Lenny Pablo um, on a few occasions. Um, I mean, yep. Can you tell us about meeting Lenny and your experiences with him? Yeah, man. Uh, Lenny Poffa was awesome. Um, he he was such a happy and uh, energetic man and uh, just full of sunshine. Like, I was just listening to uh, a friend of mine who did a podcast with you, T.Y. Jackson, and he mentioned how he's like a half glass full kind of guy but like lumberjack larry is part of the rats is next level and, and i can't agree with ty more that uh larry is just next level happy all the time he's just like if you're in a bad mood larry can 
pull you out of it. Lanny's that much more over top of Larry. Just like, just but the man walks into a room with a smile and just everything just starts to glow. And he, he speak spoke with that cadence, that poetic cadence and the rhyme. And like, you could tell that this was a very intelligent individual, a genius almost, you might say. Yes. That's awesome to see. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing, nothing but good things to say about Lanny Poffo. We even got him to do a moonsault at his advanced age in his sixties. Okay. In a battle royal, so. I mean, it's crazy. This it was crazy to actually see him do a moonsault at that age. Like, wow, then he still got it. Yeah, absolutely, still had it, man. Somebody else that still has it, um, Juventud Guerrera, um, Mexican oh, legend. Juicy, yeah. Um, what was it like being in the ring with him? Oh man, uh, Hoobie's awesome. Absolutely incredible, man. Uh, he just, I think Hoobie just actually made a return to uh, TNA, so congratulations, Juice. Um, it, it was a, it was a really surreal point in my career when I got to wrestle with Juventud Guerrero on the, uh, 30 day tour there, because up to that point, I'd never really been in the ring with a luchador before. Um, oh. up here in Canada, in, uh, Western Canada, we don't, at the time, we never really got a lot of luchadors. It, it was very stampede style based, where it was still very rough and gruff and snug and like technical wrestling based. So to be in there with somebody with the capabilities to the lucha libre style, the way that Juventud was, was a complete honor and uh, learning experience, 100%. And uh, I, I, I've heard a lot of bad things about Juventud, but I haven't seen them because when I was around Juventud Guerrero, for an entire month, he was nothing but a class act and a gentleman. Okay. Again, nothing but great things to say about Hoovy. Okay. Well, um, in your time at Can-Am Wrestling, you were voted yep. the most hated. <laughs> um, I was, yep. Some people might take that as, you know, an insult, but I feel like you feel, you might feel that that's an honor. I don't care what these people think. If they, if they want to vote me most hated so that I get a stupid, cheap little wood plaque that I just threw in the garbage when I got home, but I gladly accepted that $1,500 bonus that came along with winning that award, and I put that in my pocket. So if these people want to continue to vote me most hated, most despisable, Worst wrestler in the world. As long as there's that prize money that comes along with it, they can vote me whatever they want. Hell yeah. All right. Well, it's time for the colossal question. Let's say that they're making a movie about you. Every movie has a soundtrack. What would be the first three songs on your movie soundtrack? Oh boy, first three songs on my movie soundtrack. Well, I would really hope, I don't even know who sings the song, but you're probably familiar with it. Back in the 90s, Shawn Mar when Shawn Michaels left, they played a song called Don't Tell Me, or Tell Me a Lie. And I would really like that song to be included because it brings a tear to my eye. I would also probably include uh, Katy Perry, Dark Horse. Okay. And probably the Backstreet Boys, I want it that way. 
Alright, that's that's a solid, very eclectic tree of a pixel. You asked the question, my man. I did. Alright, now that we got the soundtrack down, then we write the script, then we go to casting. Who plays Sean, oh. and you can't say yourself, because you are obligated to make a Stanley-esque cameo. Oh, I'm, I'm probably dead at this point anyway. Um, who plays me? Uh, so what, I had to pick an actor to play me? I mean, it can be an actor or somebody else. It doesn't matter. Huh. I would probably be best played by, uh... Oh man, I don't even know. Let's go with Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, that's probably a good choice. All right. Oh, yeah, actually, you know what? Let me let's strike that from the record. I, I get told all the time that I look like Chris Pratt. Okay. But I tell people that Chris Pratt looks like me. So let's go with Chris Pratt. <laughs> all right, Chris Pratt. Now every movie has a supporting cast. Who would be? Three people significant to you and your story that would be in your movie, and who would play them? Three people significant to me. Uh, well, there's always Mantello, so he'd probably be played by Kevin Hart. Okay. Oh, <laughs> and then you would probably ha you would have to have like a probably a Danny Duggan character for the promoter. So, who would be a good Danny Duggan? Probably, like, John Goodman would be a great Danny Duggan. Okay. And then, uh, well, I, I do wrestle for uh, RCW, so that's uh, Stephen Awaschuk or Stephen Styles or Squiggy Magoo, whatever you want to call him. He'd probably be best played by Danny DeVito, so we go with Danny DeVito for that one. Okay. I mean, this is sounding like an awesome movie. We got Chris Pratt, Kevin Hart, uh, John Goodman, Danny DeVito. It sounded like a comedy to me, but... A little bit, but I think it's okay. I, You definitely have me find a ticket. All right. And you can pre-order the tickets now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Can you tell us about your love of Batman? Oh, my love of Batman. I don't know what there is to say, really, about that. Um, at the same time that uh, my uh, affinity for professional wrestling started, so did my affinity for comic book characters, and especially the uh, character of Batman. And uh, it's just something that's... Uh, forever. Like, I find myself, if I'm in a dark place, whether I'm going through some mental anguish, like some depression or something, I always find myself watching episodes of Batman the Animated Series, and that always seems to be something that brings me back to my roots and in touch, kind of like my center, and I'm able to pull out of anything just by uh, associating with stuff that I'm familiar with that I have fond memories of. So, that, that that's kind of like my ties to that, and uh, yeah, I just love everything that the the Batman does, so. What's your go-to episode for the animated series? 
Oh man, there, there's so many good episodes of Batman the Animated Series. I really like The Laughing Fish. Okay. Uh, Mad Love was great as well, which was, I think, Batman and Robin Adventures, but... It's still the same. Heart of Ice is very touching. There's so many on Leather Wings. And Best Batman Movie. Oh, the Best Batman Movie. This is an unpopular... This would be an unpopular choice, but uh, I've always been partial to uh, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, which was an animated motion picture that came out in 92. And that is the correct answer. <laughs> well, that... Um, whenever given the option of, you know, animated or live-action, Phantasm is always number one. Right. Now, um, I couldn't agree more. You reading the comics as well? Uh, yeah, I do. I do read a lot of comics as well. What's your favorite trade paperback? Trade paperback, so like a graphic novel. Uh, okay. At the moment, at the moment, I'm still very high on the Batman '89 graphic novel. But uh, uh, there's so many good ones. Um, I really enjoyed Hush. I, I really enjoyed Kingdom Come. Um, yeah. uh, Ninja Turtles The Last Ronin was great. <laughs> yeah, it, it branches out. I mean, oh, Ninja Turtles and Batman, it's not necessarily a, a combo that um, people would expect would work, but actually did. Absolutely did. That, and the uh, Batman uh, Ninja Turtle comics were way better than that movie was. So, uh, Fortunately, not a lot of people saw the, the animated movie. <laughs> right. oh. Now, uh, can you tell us about the significance of your tattoo? Um, there's not a lot of significance behind the tattoo, man. Um, I, I, from a young age, I always wanted tattoos, and, uh, I always was told originally that, uh, you need to make sure that it means something to you and it's important to you. Um, but I'm of the opinion now that the best tattoos are the ones that have zero meaning whatsoever, because, like, what might have meaning for you at one point in your life, ten years from now, might not have any meaning at all, and now this thing, you it's just kind of like a constant reminder of something that was different in your life at that time. Whereas if you just get something that you like because you think it's cool, you're always going to think that's cool. So it's just tattoos that uh, are things that I like. Like I like uh, I like sharks. Um, I had a good bu the the big one up on my shoulder. I had a buddy design that and uh, did it up for me. So it just I thought it was cool. I liked it. Okay, so it wasn't. There was not necessarily a significance. It was just something um, you just got. Just something I like, man. Yeah. Okay. Sorry to sorry to break the bubble, but <laughs> no. But I mean, it's such a unique design. I kind of felt like there must have been something more to it. No. Right. Now uh, another thing. Um, in your uh, story, um, weightlifting. 
I feel like there's a difference between lifting weights and just working out. There's something, um, there's something people get more personally from a weight lift. Is there okay. anything that you get personally from the weight, uh, weight lift? Oh, I'm getting tongue tied here. Weight lift. You're, you're asking if there's something that I get out of bodybuilding. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, body dysmorphia. I, I think all, any of us that uh, lift weights to uh, improve our physiques will agree with this. Body dysmorphia, that's the number one thing that you get. You're never big enough. You're never good enough. Um, but on a more serious note, yeah, I, I get a lot of uh, joy and focus in my day. It, it's something that I use to balance myself. Um, it's, just, it's just another thing that I, I love to do. I, I love to lift heavy and push my limits. So, and it just so happens that it should be part of the uh, requirements of the job of being a professional wrestler, that you should uh, be in the best physical shape that you could possibly be in. And uh, unfortunately, that not a lot of guys see it that way, but uh, I absolutely do. And I try my best to be in the best physical condition that I can. Does um, when lift um, weightlifting? Does listening to be a man help? Help? Oh <laughs> uh, man, I I'm, I'm assuming that I probably made an Instagram post about that at one point. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yes. Music itself is the gateway to the soul, and um, a lot of the times, if I'm in the gym and I'm lifting, I'll have like old WWF, WCW songs going. And it's like not so much that I enjoyed the music itself, but it's the way that that music made me feel as a kid and the emotions that are connected to those songs. And it, so, for example, I hear Owen Hart's theme song going, and all of a sudden it's like, this is a, as far as music goes, this is a pretty shitty song. But it, it brings out that emotion of excitement and passion and energy in me and it makes me push to that next level. So I, I try to utilize that a lot in my workouts and in my music choices. A, a lot of guys will use heavy metal for that because heavy metal picks up your heart rate and gets you going a lot harder. Um, but, yeah, no, I just I pick and choose songs that uh, make me feel something, and uh, that's what's important. So, like, Be a Man Hulk, um, I always enjoyed that Macho Man album. I thought it was hilarious. It was much better than Hogan's album. Um <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, maybe I, I'm on my way to the gym after this interview. Maybe I'll put on BMA. Oh, yeah. Hey, um, you are indeed a Canadian from Canada. Um, so we, I do have two Canadian exclusive questions for you. Sure, man. The first one being, Poutine, where is the base best place in Canada to get well it originated in Quebec it's a uh, French cuisine so I would assume there um, I don't eat cheese and fries and gravy so but uh, yeah I would I would assume probably somewhere in Quebec likely Quebec City Montreal maybe hmm. so you're you don't eat poutine <laughs> no All right. well can you tell us, is Canada's greatest national treasure, Ryan Reynolds? Ryan Reynolds? Oh, Deadpool. Um, 
Oh boy. Uh, at the moment, maybe. Uh, yeah. For for current day stuff, I mean, between all of his uh, stuff with Reckham and Marvel and his ties to Taylor Swift, yeah, m- maybe. Okay. On to a controversial subject. Pineapple on pizza. What's your stance? Pineapple on pizza, yeah, absolutely, man. Um, I, pineapple on everything. You got, you got to, especially if you got a spicy pizza. So that's the thing is, like, you want to pair your your pineapple with something spicy because it's going to give a little bit of sweet to lighten the load a little bit, that sting, so that you can actually get the full flavor out of the uh, spicy food. Okay. So not even, uh, not just pro pineapple on pizza, pro pineapple in general. Absolutely. What's your spirit Pokemon? Spirit Pokemon? Oh man, I I, I reference Pokemon a lot in my day-to-day life, but I'm going to be honest. I never played Pokemon, I never watched Pokemon, I just kind of know it from the kids and uh, being on in the background. So I'm going to go with the Snorlax. Alright. Probably, probably a good spirit Pokemon. Alright. No. Or maybe that little Charmander that wears the skull on his head. Uh, that's Cubone. Cubone, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Now, we love the late, great Tracy Smothers on the show. Do you know yeah. the acronym for THUG? T-H-U-G. I'm ashamed to say that I can't think of that at the moment, no. T is for terrible. H is for hell. U is for ugly, and G is for Jim, because a dog can't spell. <laughs> yes. Tracy was one of a kind, man. Yeah, we love the late, great Tracy Smothers. We're trying to keep the memory alive on the show. Well, God bless you. Appreciate that. Weirdest question you'll be asked on a wrestling interview would you ever consider wrestling a rock? Not Dwayne Johnson, not the country, an actual physical rock. Depends what the pay is. I feel like a rock would be pretty easy to defeat, so if I could get a pretty good per- winner's purse on that, uh, I wouldn't have a problem laying on top of a rock. That'd be fine. Okay, but what if the promoter says the rock is going over. Well, that ain't happening. No. <laughs> so, no. <laughs> All right, no. Well, just for context, there's this wrestler named Psycho Mike that wrestled an actual rock for over 15 minutes in a Tungsten Man match. That's an on-man match that lasts for two weeks. Why? Um, well, it was the, it was a rematch, he, there was a whole thing, there was a whole story about it, <laughs> but unfortunately he did not, um, beat The Rock. That's unfortunate. Yeah. On a more serious note, where do you see yourself in five years? 
Oh, man. I, I, I don't know how to answer that question. I try to live in the moment, in the now. And, and right now I'm focused on Ultimo Dragon and the CWE Rumble to Remember Tour. Once we get past that tour, I will start worrying about the next thing. Um, as far as five years from now, it, that's five years from now. It's too hard to say. Fair enough. What is a match people should go out of their way to see that best shows off what you are all about? Um, anything I do with mental. Okay. Anyway. Uh, they, I think Cloud9 Wrestling out of North Dakota just posted one on their YouTube page, actually. So. Okay. I will uh, go on their YouTube page and find a match. And um, I will put it in the description of the video below, but on YouTube at CastBox for anybody that um, wants to see it, hasn't seen it, wants to re-see it after this. Sounds great. And since we are nearing the conclusion of this interview, we are wrestling with the eight questions of this is our speed round, our bonus round, the round where we see who you really are. Are you ready? So you're going to ask me a question, you just first thing to come to my mind, and you want me to answer that way? Yeah. I mean, you can I just got to know the format of this thing. Oh. Kind of springing this on me here, but that's okay. All right, let's go. Eight, eight rounds of speed. Let's do it. Excluding yourself, greatest wrestler of all time. Tully Blanchard. Worst wrestler. Ooh. Uh, Dwayne Gill. Your main event. Ah. Uh -huh. Go ahead. Go ahead. Your main event. Speed WrestleMania for the World Championship. Who is your opponent? Mentalo. If you could come out to anyone's entrance music, past or present, who would it be? Razor Ramon. Finish the sentence. K Fabe is important. We would have also accepted taste great on toast. Squash. Vegetable or fruit? Uh, a squash is a uh, fruit, I believe. And that's the correct answer. It uh, it has seeds, tomato wedges. Yeah. New Japan wrestler Tai Chi, his ringo gets smaller every year, usually more himself the wall. My question, what is the appropriate trunks to butt cheek ratio for India? Oh, there there's no appropriate ratio. There's, the more butt cheek you show, the more merch you seem to sell, so <laughs> you reason that how you're gonna read into that. So, uh, less coverage equals more pay. Yeah, the girl's got to figure it out, man. Okay. And the last question, the main event, the thing everybody wants to know. Have you ever had a conversation with a stranger in a supermarket about Darby Allen? No. Nobody talks about Darby Allen. And that is the correct answer. And that will conclude this interview. Thank you so much for coming on and doing this with me. No, oh, absolutely, James. It was your pleasure.
It absolutely was. And uh, once again, where can we find all things uh, Sean on uh, social media and your emotions? Yeah, man. So again, headline Sean Martins. So Instagram is username at headline Sean Martins. Twitter X, whatever we call that thing, is at Sean Martins. I believe I have threads at headline Sean Martins. I forgot about that earlier. And uh, Facebook, we have uh, forward slash headline Sean Martins, which is the fan page as well. Or you can just find me on Facebook under Sean Martins. Um, as far as merchandise, I do have lots more stuff available at the shows. But if you want a t-shirt, prowrestlingtees.com slash headline Sean Martins. And there's no need to type it into your Google machine. All of the links to all his social media and merchandise will be in the description of the video below or on YouTube and CastBox. Simply click the link. A new tab will appear on whatever device you are on. You have no excuse. Buy a damn shirt. Or at least follow me, Marks. Exactly. Give him a damn follow as well. There we go. Of course, thank you for listening. If you like what we're doing, please like, subscribe, comment. We're on YouTube and CastBox. Uh, it's sponsored by Rogue Energy and Family Coffee. Join us uh, next Tuesday and Wednesday for new incredible interviews. Follow the show at Wrestling with E, but on Twitter, Instagram, um, and uh, Dread. Uh, follow me personally at JamesJ993. Alright, uh, Sean, when I say Wrestling with, you say entertain. Okay? Okay. For always special guest Sean Mordens, Calico Yacht, Scooter Dust, I'm James J, and this has been Wrestling with. Entertainment. Hey, folks, this is the Colossal Mike Law, and you are listening to Wrestling with Entertainment. Enjoy the show, support these guys. We appreciate it very much. We'll see you at ringside.